You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everybody, welcome back to Total Liverpool Podcast. My name is Simo, today I'm joined by Adam and Deej, uh, and it's a, it's a pretty special episode because this is, well, my in my, my lifetime, this is a, I don't know if it's our biggest win over Man United at Old Trafford, I've not seen the stats or anything like that, but definitely within my, my lifetime, this is our biggest win um, at Old Trafford um, obviously it was it was huge um, you know I just couldn't I couldn't like walk away from the from from the TV um, I don't know about you lads I actually had to drive up to work and I just put it off for age I didn't get until super late last night because <laughs> I just wanted to see all the reaction stuff um, you guys obviously reacted live um, right right after but uh, how are you you've had the 24 hours to sweat boys I'll come to you Adam how are you feeling um, it's it's still kind of the disbelief, you know. Um, I, I think I mentioned it yesterday. It hadn't felt like it hadn't quite sunk in. Um, it didn't feel real. Like, have we actually just gone to Old Trafford? Uh, you know, got gone into their backyard while they've got the likes of Cristiano Ronaldo, Paul Pogba, Marcus Rashford, Bruno Fernandez, all these great players, and absolutely battered them. And by the way, battered them. When I say battered them, we realistically didn't even look like we got out of third gear for most of the game. We made everything look so easy. Um, and, and maybe that was a combination of Man United being so poor as well. I, I'm not sure. I'm sure we'll, we'll discuss that a bit later on. But yeah, it was just, it seemed like everything that could have gone right for Liverpool went right, apart from obviously the uh, the, the Naby Keita injury, which again, I'm sure, sure we'll touch on a little bit and... And hopefully he's doing all right as well. Yeah, I'm hoping it's not too bad. I mean, Manchester United just played into Liverpool's hands. It could, they could not have played into Liverpool ha- Liverpool hands more than they actually did. That ball from cent- from our centre backs to a full back position passed through the midfield quite easily, and we were in th- we were in the final third. We were also winning. I think we won the ball back seven times in the fi- the opposition final third. So it was it was just ridiculous. I don't know. 
what Ollie was thinking, he said, oh, I, we're at Old Trafford. This, this was what he said, we're at Old Trafford, we feel like we should take the game to the opposition. <laughs> look, how that, look how that worked out for you, mate. You're on the verge of the sack, and quite frankly, you you, you deserve it completely um, after that. I mean, any football manager, in every salt, worth his salt, knows the, the, what his squad can and can't do, uh, and he got it so wrong. I've not seen a manager get a game that wrong in quite a long time. Deej, 24 hours since, since you reacted live um, on YouTube. How, how are you feeling now? I'm still floating, mate. Uh, and just, <laughs> just to pick up on, on something you said there about how United tried to go on the front foot, uh, it was definitely the wrong call. And I was watching a load of the coverage from different channels last night after the game, and, and Tim Sherwood touched on it brilliantly. It's like, if you, if you were Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer, how would you look at this Liverpool team and then look at the United team and how they've been performing and think going on the front foot would work out for you? Uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of positives to take from a Liverpool point of view. There's really none from a United point of view. Um, I think one of the biggest positives from a Liverpool point of view, though, we did not get caught offside once in that game. And over the past couple of seasons, that's been one of the sort of the banes of our front line, especially Sadio Mane, who I know hasn't uh, it didn't come on until late in the game. But the fact that we weren't flagged offside once, I think shows uh, the maturity of our current front line, including Diogo Jota. Because uh, he's he seems like he's got a bit between his teeth and he's a bit eager and he might sort of spring that trap once or twice. But the fact that we didn't get caught offside once was absolutely phenomenal. Um, but the the result as a whole, I don't remember in my lifetime there being a win that big. I think it's always been a relatively tight game. I think you can go even further back than the 90s into the 80s and the 70s and into Liverpool's last period of dominance. And the game between Liverpool and United was still much tighter than it was yesterday. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what was wrong. Like, you look at the... the players that they had on the pitch, uh, arguably great players as individuals, but that's what they looked like yesterday. They looked like individuals. Uh, having Juan Basaka push up and leave uh, Diogo Jota completely open. Or I don't know what one, I was thinking. Yeah, or, or on pulling back, not not closing down the lane to Andy Robertson as well. Left that left side open for us completely. So Oh, it was, it was, it was amateur-esque. And the thing is, right, pressing, like, let's just talk about pressing just for a wee second, right? If you're not going to fully commit to the press, then it is possibly one of the worst things you can possibly do in a football pitch. Because if you're not pressing as a team, then you're just running out of position and leaving space. And that's exactly what Man United continually did. Uh, uh, every chat, like, from the front, it would be... They, they don't press at the same time. They would see it was all very reactionary. Like a sort of, like, you know, like domino effect. See, they would see one the player in front of them press, then they would decide to press and then vice versa all the way back to the back line. But that's not how pressing is supposed to Pressing is a team game. You know, you go to the ball, I go to the, I cut off the passing channels, we close down, put pressure on that way, we force a long ball that we can hopefully, but we we have the likelihood of winning back in our own half. We, we, we turn over possession and air possession. That's pressing. But I don't, I, I, I've never, I'm not going to say, I'm not, it's very reactionary to say I've never seen a team as as disjointed as that. And DJ, so you came on to a really good point how we were not caught offside. I mean, the offside is it's all about timing. It's all about decision-making, familiarity. The Liverpool team is very much set and has been for the last sort of three years. The, the, these players, are, they, they know each other. They know what they know what they can do, what they can't do, where, where players excel, where they don't excel so much. And, and, and you know, familiarity builds timing. You know, to not get caught off offside when we, you know, we we played that pass quite a few times. You know, that's the difference. We just we look like a unit 
Like, I don't think one we can give all the credit minute. to our front three, though. I mean, if, if you look at the, yeah. the close calls throughout the game, the fact that Luke Shaw played so badly, like, I think everything that could have potentially, like, was, was maybe a close call, Luke Shaw was the one playing people on side, mm-hmm. uh, as well as running into Harry Maguire once, or them running into each other. But just to touch on your point about the pressing, from United's front line, the only person who seemed to even try and press was Greenwood. And even then, yeah. when he did it, he did it half-assed. Like he wasn't, he wasn't doing it with any intensity. The it was the, yeah, yeah. He, he would, he would sort of amble towards somebody to start closing them down. They'd play the ball like ten yards to the side, and he'd sort of change the ball would go up the field, which and he'd just start walking back. And it's which is like, worse than just standing still, isn't it? Because you're just burning energy. So well, I think no what reason. United needed to do that game because they did play the the four two three one, uh, and the three was obviously do. yeah the three three was obviously Rashford Fernandez. Greenwood with Ronaldo up top. So now, you know, if you've got Ronaldo up top, he's not tracking back. He, he's never going to track back. He never has. Fernandez, though, as the number 10, he should be tracking back. He should be providing cover for Fred and McTominay. But every time the ball went over his head or bypassed him, he wouldn't go back. He'd turn around. He'd throw his arms up as if he was having a strop. Yeah. It's like he's about to cry and and just stand there and walk about. And uh, you had the same sort of thing from Rashford. To, to his credit, he did get back once or twice. I don't remember seeing Greenwood doing anything defensive either. And if you're not dropping your uh, wingers sort of back to help cover with uh, Fred and McTominay as well, then you've got an isolated pair that aren't Mm -hmm. that great defensively themselves anyway. I think out of the two of them, Fred was better. Uh, He showed more energy. He was actually chasing things, but he was chasing that he was the only person doing the chasing to that sort of level. And he would end up like running in triangles as things are getting passed around him and no one was coming across to support him. Well, actually, just to, just to count at that point, Scott McTominay is actually, if you look at the sort of uh, the sort of job he's have, Scott McTominay is, is Manchester United's highest rated player for the match. I don't um, understand Fred. that. Pretty much all of our goals came from his side that he was meant to be covering, so how could he have been their best player? Because they were all terrible. <laughs> that's, that's at a 6.5. That's at a 6.5. I think, I yeah, sorry, so. I think just... Just to jump in with that, I think I think the issue with McTominay and Fred, and we can go back and forth about who's better, who's worse, all we want. I think there's a fundamental coaching issue with the two of them, in terms of by oh, is it? I think it's McTominay plays on the on the right, Fred on the, the right left. Hand, I, yeah. I think, yeah, yeah, that's right. And it's and and it's almost like they've drawn a line down the middle of the pitch. And they've gone, right, McTominay, you have to stay this side. Fred, you have to stay down that side. It's not very So when Liverpool it. were doubling up, so obviously when we've got Firmino dropping, dropping back a few yards, and then say so you've got Mane on the left that come and help him out or Salah on the right that come and help him out, whoever's dealing with those two, whether it be McTominay or Fred, it's like the other one has been told he cannot go to that side of the pitch to help help the other one out. So every single time... Firmino's getting pulling Fred out. He's pulling McTominay out, and they're just being left completely exposed on their own. Yeah, to try and deal with. I mean, not only just say Firmino and Salah, but then you've got Cater getting involved. You've got Henderson getting involved, and and you thought Cater was involved in like the first. I think it was the first three goals where he was completely unmarked for all three of them. Um, and and I think that is a, a huge coaching issue that you've got going on with those two players. Yeah, and it's they do have just... experience in their coaching team, though. I mean, I know it's like Michael Carrick and Darren Fletcher and whatnot, but they've got Mike Phelan. Mike Phelan worked with Fergie for ten years, so it's like it's not like they've not got coaching knowledge within their staff. Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's the manager that's always going to have the final say. 
You know what I mean? Even if a coach comes and disagrees, it's always I mean, going to be the manager. Do you manager. think Ollie's running day-to-day training sessions? Well, it, it won't run every single session, of course. No manager does. Klopp won't run every single session at Liverpool. Yeah, that's the but point like, I'm making. But, so a lot of the responsibility will fall to Carrick, Fletcher, Phelan, yeah. and, and those lot, like not necessarily just Ollie. Yeah, and you I, know what I mean? I'm not one to call for, for anyone's head. I mean, uh, but I think it was, uh, it might have been the kickoff I was watching uh, the other day uh, where they were saying like, Three three seasons it's been now with with that staff set up uh, a, f- a handful of the class of ninety two involved and, and some other faces uh, from the Fergie era as players you can't be learning on the job at Manchester United no that's no. not something that you can do you need to have in, in each position whether it's playing field or staff you need to have one of the top five people in the world in those positions otherwise you're not Manchester United anymore you're Newton Heath yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's we can argue. We don't. We don't. We'll never know enough as as, as spectators of what goes behind this, but what goes on the behind the scenes too. But you know, it is when when the tactics are wrong in the pitch. Then I I think it's I think it's um it's the coaching staff, My, mainly the manager. The mainly the manager's job is to pick how how they're going to play and still a philosophy and, and ask his coaching coaching staff to to instill that among the players uh, with him doing that as well. Um, but there's just, you know, it's it's all very wrong. It's, it's just, there's so much wrong with that, with the way they play, especially when you see a, a Wan Bissaka or a, or, a, or a Luke Shaw bombing up. You, can, you can't really see that midfielder, extra man in midfield to come in and cover that space because they don't have that extra man in midfield because they insist in playing with a number 10. But if you're going to play with a number 10, then you cannot, you can't play with like, Wing backs in the terms of you know that that Man City or Liverpool are going to play with because that suits a four three Henderson happy to go in at a right back position or um, Gini Wijnaldum of old coming in for Robbo these days it's normally sort of you know it'll be Navigator or, or James Milner or whoever it happens to be on that side Curtis Jones and they, they, that's an important part of that system if you're going to play with extremely you know if you're going to stretch the pitch using fullbacks. But when you've only got, if that means if, if Freddie McTominay cover that space they've left one man in midfield. Which means a centre back or the opposite opposite full back needs to come in and fill in that space. And when you do that, you narrow yourself and create space. And for a team that like Liverpool who play with width, line to line width to stretch teams to create space, then you're just playing into Liverpool's hands. And it's it was as if there was no thought into it. I've not seen Liverpool's play. We all we pretty much nine time, nine, nine times out of a hundred we'll tip up a four three three. And have done for the past sort of four or five years, four years, I would say, consistently. But um, I just can't believe at that level that the, the amount of mistakes that were made were made. I'm just in that boat of like, and I'm loving it, you know, I'm not going to complain about it, but I just, you know, we were like a cat that got the cream, you know, we were, just, <laughs> there you go, there's five. <laughs> it was an absolute shambles, but I bet Paul Scholes was absolutely loving it. I think it's the only time he could ever enjoy a United uh, loss. Because that video of him chewing his daughter's toes is no longer uh, no longer the main topic of conversation, and his prediction oh. after Atlanta came exactly true. It's like, yeah, try doing that against Liverpool and see what happens. They tried, and look what happens. <laughs> absolutely ripped to pieces. He, he literally did also say it would end up being three or four nil by half time. <laughs> yeah, which was mental. But, and what he wasn't just him uniquely saying it. I think. <laughs> He saw a spectator could look at that and think, well, do you know what? If you do that against a City or a Liverpool, you could be in quite a lot of trouble. Rio wasn't. Um, Rio was like, United are back, baby. Oh, well, like, 
you know, if I, if I was a professional footballer and Rio Ferdinand said anything good about me, I would be so fucking distraught because everything he says just seems to give the kiss of death <laughs> to fucking anything ever says i honestly do believe right i'm I, i'm i don't really consider myself a superstitious dude but i honestly do believe if rio had not done that contract thing you know fucking he's at the wheel let him write down whatever numbers he wants get that contract say i honestly don't think all would be considered as this bad a light, you know, because it just, he gives the kiss of death to absolute fucking everything he touches. He said, I remember, namely in the Euros, when he said that, that Scotland would be, that when we played Scotland, uh, when England played Scotland in the Euros, he said that would be the easiest game that England would ever play in a tournament. And he was very confident that, and obviously England never got to win. And England would have came and smashed us had he not said that. Hundred percent. Well, we did have a slow just... start to the Euros, didn't we? As England did have a relatively slow start. I know there was wins there, but it was one nils, and it yeah. was uh, scrappy goals from Sterling mostly. Yeah. So, well, I wasn't. Um, I wasn't really on the on the side of English performance. It was more tapping onto the the real Ferdinand just getting so much wrong. But at the end of the day, it's quite it's quite funny, quite amusing to watch. So. Um, yeah, uh, can I talk a wee bit about injuries? Obviously, James Milner came off with a hamstring. It kind of be flagged up a wee bit, but then he, he sprinted off and kind of, I think he took a wee tumble and, uh, and then had to take him off, which is, which is I find a wee bit disappointing because James Milner's had such a, a great run of recent games um, uh, with how influential he's been on the pitch. It doesn't really feel like he's just been a stand-in, at least if he's been like a main performer. And, you know, I hope it's not a, a long one for James Milner because he was really, I think he really wants to be a big, big part of this season. Um, you can see how, because he can, he, he obviously understands that he's, his career is starting to wind down. Um, so I think he's... He's got another decade in him. Yeah, yeah. I thought he could, he could play for another decade easily. But I think he's very apparently aware that every performance on the pitch he wants to give, like, and he always has, but he wants to really be massively influential. He doesn't just want to do the professional jobs, you know, cover back, make the tackle, stuff like that. He wants to get, you know, um, to the byline, get an assist or get in the box, take a shot, stuff like that. I'm really, really admiring. Uh, I really enjoying watching James Milner. It was unfortunate to see him come off with an injury. Have we had any news in that yet? Do we know, guys? Uh, I've not seen anything today, no. No, no not nothing's, nothing's come out from the club, but the the, the rumours that are coming out that it, it isn't that, but it was more precautionary than anything else. It's not. It's not serious, I don't think. That would be that would be extremely good news. Um, I think it's possible to injure James Milner seriously, though, because he's <laughs> he is such a physical specimen. I mean, you talk about players his age. He's what he's thirty six, or he's coming on to thirty six. That's the same age as Ronaldo, and I think those two players there, you can say, are sort of the, the peak of physicality for for that age. And I mean, yeah, Milner might be sort of a bit squarer and a bit wider, but he is ripped and he is a hundred percent muscle. <laughs> Similar to similar to Ronaldo, he is absolutely ripped in 100% yeah. muscle. So I think recovery times for James Milner are on the low side compared to pretty much any professional footballer just because of how good a shape he's in. Yes, and he's uh, always looked after himself. And yeah, um, and he's Warm had a really, really clean... Instead of a beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, he, he has... Like, I've read James Milner's book and uh, he, he's, you know, he's he's been clean. Then, like, super... But his diet as well is... And he's training when he's not. A, yeah, he's, he's he's a machine. He's a he is just a top athlete, you know, top professional, top sportsman. Privileged to have it at club. Um, I want to go to Navigator because he had a great influence on the match with a goal and an assist, and then was um, 
injured and the Paul Pogba two-footed slide tackle. Pogba just looking for a, for a way out, looking for a way off the pitch, just didn't want to be there. Um, a little bit disappointed. I feel like if there was a red card that came before that, and there could have been, there could have been two that came before that, then that tackle doesn't happen and Navigator doesn't get injured. But we are talking about Navigator. He could he could run wrong and uh, be out for a wee bit. So. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I mean, it's, it's good to see him in this kind of... Well, I know a player that I hope is not, not out for too long. Um, Adam, Navigator's had a, has a had a good old run of games so far and really tried to lay... I think he's really tried to lay down a marker in this midfield and kind of make himself undroppable and he's done a job of that. I feel like the last three games, he really is kind of... The last three games I've seen him play, really feels as if he's, he's found another gear or found some sort of, like, this is... Because it's, it's been a while since Navigator's really had... I can't remember the last time Navigator had a sort of run a solid run of games where he's only had like a game out in between. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think the thing is with, with Cater is I think a lot of Liverpool fans were probably waiting for him to make his, his statement game. You know, the game where we go, okay, like Naby Cater has fully arrived now. Like this is the guy that we signed, uh, from, uh, from Germany. And, and I think this, this game obviously against Manchester United at Old Trafford, he gets the early goal. He gets the assist for for Salah's goal, and he plays a huge part to to the Jota goal as well in in picking the ball up when uh, Shaw and Maguire run into each other. This was this was his statement game. You know this this was the one where he really shows the world how good he is and and what he's going to bring to Liverpool. It just it, it's also just just in such nabby case a typical fashion for him to go and get injured the way he did and 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 obviously look it's so unlucky um yeah he's not you know out of all the, out, he's just out of all the players it had to be him um and and yeah it, it is a massive shame I, I, again it's only rumors that I've seen but I've heard it's not as bad as what people are thinking obviously we've got to wait for the scans to to come mm-hmm. out um but it <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's a real shame because we, again, it was the excitement was kind of like, can you remember at the start of the season how excited we all were for Harvey Elliott? And, yeah. and you know, we, we was all sat, sat talking about what an amazing season he's going to have and, and, you know, this could be his, his real breakout season. And, and it was the same for Naby Keita. And, and now, unfortunately, we're, we're in a position where, you know, Harvey Elliott's out for a long time and, and, and it remains to be seen what the damage is with Keita. And, and obviously all you can do is hope that it isn't isn't as long as as the Elliot one it's yeah it is it, still shame real shame yeah and it's um looking at it from a Liverpool perspective it is quite it's quite good we have as much depth in midfield as we do um because you know the the unfortunate of of Harvey Elliot we can lose a James Milner on an advocate for a few games and still field you know a, a Jordan Henderson a Fabinho um and a Curtis Jones which is a fantastic midfield, uh, and even an, an an ox, and he's quite often forgotten the ox, but he is he can play in central midfield quite well. Um, although he's just become Tiago should be back man. pretty soon too. Yeah, Tiago's not far out from what I've read. Um, but yeah, so we're, we're still in not not too bad a spot, even if we, we unfortunately lose these two well three players that have just seemed to be getting injured in, in their best form. Um, it's never an out of form player that gets injured, is it? Yeah. <laughs> to add on to the Gator stuff, though, I mean, I I. I didn't think he necessarily deserved to start this game against United, but I agree with what Adam said. Like from up till when he got injured, this was looking like it was his best performance in a Liverpool shirt to date. Uh, his statement game, as Adam said, yeah. But I think I his form, agree. yeah, his form leading up to this game, yeah, it's been patchy. He's had a, he had a good start, then he had a few games where he was kind of anonymous, 
Then he had a couple of games where he made some horrible defensive errors. And then he's he's had sort of like middling performances. And then bang, United, he starts playing fantastic here and gets taken out. But for me, I think Curtis Jones coming back from injury earned to start for this game and he didn't get it. And I think I, I feel for him there because his performances before he got injured were phenomenal. Yeah. And when he came on to replace Nabi Keita, he, he was still great. Um, yeah. Now, Nabi, I'm, I'm so I've sort of been sat in the middle of my opinion with Nabi Keita thinking like, okay, he's been unfortunate with injuries. We need to give him time to sort of settle into a run of games. But I think he's had that run of games at the beginning of this season now. And yes, we've seen some good stuff from him, but we've also seen some howlers. That's what I was going to say. He doesn't really have a bad game. He just has moments or 20-minute periods in games where he kind of really goes, does go missing or he'll be dispossessed in midfield or be caught out of position. Or make um, a terrible challenge on the edge yeah, of the box. I'll make a, those yeah, kind of things, yeah. yeah um, but I'm, I'm getting to the point now where I'm I'm kind of done with Naby Keita. And after the performance that he did put in against United, that might be a little bit harsh to say, because mm. who knows, if he'd have played the 90, he might have gone on in like prolific form. But we've just not seen a proper run from him, of him just being great consistently. And I think you would get more return for the minutes spent with somebody like Curtis Jones there than with Naby Keita there. I think That's over the course of a season, his average, if you, if you talk average ratings, I think Curtis Jones playing a whole season would get a higher average rating than Naby Keita playing a whole season. It's definitely an interesting point. Right, lads, we are running out of time. I want your match ratings uh, for the back line. I'm going to come to you, Adam, first. Quickly give us your, 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 um, your ratings for the back five. Okay. Um, starting with Alison, I give Alison a 7.5. Um, I, I think he again. It's it's another one of those games where Allison he did what he had to do. I think I think he he made three saves from the three that were on target. Um, but yeah, pretty pretty quiet game all around to be honest for not for Allison. Which yeah, not 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 a whole lot to do at all. Uh, Trent Alexander Arnold, I give uh, a solid eight. Um, obviously gets the assist as well. Actually, no, sorry, eight point five because of the assist. Um, apart from that, solid eight. Um, I think he did brilliant, uh, especially with Rashford down that side. We highlighted Rashford would probably be their their biggest threat. Um, and uh, and and leading on to to Canate, I think he gets an eight as well. Um, just purely again for the fact that he's been thrown into such a big game um, of such big man- magnitude, only really played against Crystal Palace as well before, and he's been told to deal with Rashford and Ronaldo, and and he does it with with absolute. Ease. I, th- I thought he was brilliant. I don't think he really made a mistake. Literally, the one time Ronaldo beat him was for the offside goal. So it literally doesn't even count. Um, Virgil Van Dijk again. I give an eight. I, I probably, look. I'm gonna I'll make it pretty, pretty, pretty. I give an eight to the whole whole back line. I, I thought they were all obviously brilliant. Um, keeping a clean sheet against against the kind of players that they were up against yesterday. Um, deserves an eight in itself, but I just I can't think of a single mistake that that any defender made yesterday. I, I thought they were all superb. I'm not going to give any ratings. I'm just going to leave them to you guys. But just on the back line, I just feel like Trent Alexander Arnold and Robertson were just so influential in this match. I just think they were just so almost. I want to get almost outside the the sort of obvious the obvious faces. Your most Salah, your Navicators, but without Trent and Robbo providing that width to just tear through Man United like they weren't even there. Or providing that pass through midfield, it just, it just, they just linked everything up. They're absolutely superb performances. And assist for Trent Alexander-Arnold and a goal-line clearance for Andy Robertson. So they, they, they do have that. They do come away with that in the game. Deej, any deviations from, from 
Adam's rating to the yeah, back line. a little bit. I think uh, my rating for Allison's the same, seven and a half. He had a solid game, didn't have much to do. The things that he did have to do weren't that difficult. His distribution was great. Um, so, yep, seven and a half there. Uh, personally, I give Trent a nine. I think he excelled defensively. Uh, he put in a couple of crucial blocks again. Uh, one to stop a through ball that would have resulted in an almost certain goal and another one to block a shot that was on target. Uh, so United have four shots on target, three of them Allison saved, one of them Trent blocked. Um, and then I think two centre-backs, I think I'll, I'll give Kanate a seven and a half and I'll give Virgin eight. The only reason Kanate seven and a half, uh, you could see his his sort of nerves and his newness in the team at the beginning of the game. There was a few moments where he was a bit hesitant, where he looked like, oh, hang on, this, this could be our wobbly point. If United target here, they could get through. Uh, but that quickly sorted itself out. I think if, if he'd come into the game and was like assured from the off, I think I could give him the eight. But I'm really impressed with the lad. And I think this could be with Matip not featuring today. Uh, I don't know why he wasn't featuring uh, featuring yesterday, whether he was it carrying a little knock or something. But this could be the start of us seeing what will be the new look Liverpool centre-back partnerships. Now, I know Canate came in as what people were thinking, our third choice behind Van Dijk and Gomez. Matip surprised everyone at the beginning of this season with how consistent consistently he's been available, let alone how well he's played. Um, but I'm, it's starting to look now through the way uh, squads are being chosen that Canate is actually the, the person who's lined up to be Van Dijk's partner and Gomez is now more backup for Trent. Yeah, I mean, I, that was definitely what I predicted at the, 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 the beginning of the season. I don't know if you remember me saying that I, I did sort of I seen so the, the competition at centre back. Maybe seen, maybe what I seen is the is the the, the future potentially for Joe Gomez would be at right back or at left back because yeah. he is extremely two footed and extremely athletic. Um, and if he could adapt to be back to his game, he would definitely have a lot to offer Liverpool in those areas. Deej, I'm going to stay with you for the midfield ratings. I got one um, more defender because first, of uh, one more <laughs> we are the wee bit first, and that's mm-hmm. Andrew Robertson. I didn't give him a rating yet. Uh, for me, he gets a nine and a half out of ten just for the lip he gave to Ronaldo. Oh, and the finger wag, <laughs> and the finger wag. Yeah, I, I couldn't quite tell what he was saying, but it sounded like he was saying, it looked like he was saying, like, "Be careful, be careful, yeah. or I'm gonna fucking do you." I'm gonna, yeah, <laughs> I'm um, gonna do it. You, you can't. Um, on you go. Yeah, on, there, go on, get your midfield ratings as quick as you can, mate. We are short uh, on time. Kater, eight and a half. Solid game for the the period he played. His goal was taken well. His assist was brilliant, and as Adam said, he was in, in, instrumental in getting that ball out to Trent Vajotta's goal as well. Uh, Henderson just because of that Salah assist, a nine. I mean, he had a great game overall, but that I have pass. to give him a nine for that pass. Because, I mean, if De Bruyne did that pass, yeah. all of the pundits would be jizzing in their pants. Yeah, they but would be. With Henderson, they were just like, oh, what a pass. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, Milner, before going off, uh, I think he, he deserves an eight as well. I think we won this game in midfield, so I, I can't I can't really give any midfielder that played for us less than an eight, I think. Yep. Uh, Adam, going to come at you. Midfield ratings. Uh yeah, again, Naby Keita, I agree with DJ, eight and a half, instrumental to, to, to all three of the first three goals. Um, we just obviously hope he, hope he recovers well with his injury. Uh, Jordan Henderson, again, bang on the money with a nine. I think just the fact that he was a, as well as, as the assist and how well he played in general. Again, we just have to mention, this isn't his usual position anymore. He's so used to playing out on the right to get that link up with Salah and Trent and filling in for, for, for Fabinho in, in a game against United was was such a big thing for him. I thought he was brilliant. Um, 
James Milner, I think just because of the fact that we, we did win the midfield battle, like Deej said, and we were, I think, 2-0 up by the time he did go off in the 25th minute, I, I'd probably give him a, a little bit harsher, give him a 7, just because just he did only play 25 minutes. Um, and then Curtis Jones coming on for him, I'd, I'd probably give him a 7.5. Uh, I, thought, I thought he did very well as well. Staying with yourself, Adam. Uh, I feel the <clears> obvious <throat> one, this for me. Um, give us your ratings for the front three. Uh, yeah, Mohamed Salah gets a, a ten out of ten. I know we've uh, we've we've spoken, I think, towards the start of the season about Salah's sort of base performance being about a nine. I think he's yeah. moving that up to maybe more of like a nine and a 9. half. Point just five, yeah, yeah. Seems like like every single week with this guy, he's just improving and improving and improving. Um, John Henry, if you're all watching, give him the contract now. Um, Roberto Firmino, uh, I thought was actually really underrated in this game. A lot of the movement that he that he made for for both Salah uh, and uh, and Jota as well. So I, I think I kept saying Mane earlier. I meant Jota on that other side. Um, a lot of the movement provided from Firmino, I thought was brilliant. Um, his, his link up play uh, again, back to his best. He, he looks confident again. He looks like the Roberto Firmino that that scored twenty nine goals in in I think it was the seventeen eighteen season or maybe eighteen yeah. nineteen. I can't quite remember. Um, looks like the Firmino of all. I'd I'd give Firmino. I'd, I'd probably give him an eight point five, maybe even a nine actually. And Diego Jota, I'd, I'd give an 8.5. I personally didn't think he deserved to start this game. I thought it was going to be Mane all day long. Um, but he, he proved me wrong. He looked good. He looked sharp. He obviously got the goal. Um, and an and I think he got... He, oh, yeah, he did get the assist as well. <coughs> Sorry, apologies for the, for the cough. I think an 8.5 is a little um, harsh for Jota. I'm always accusing everybody of being a wee bit harsh well, for Jota. Um. I, I, I think was. just just I, I will big him up in the sense of we've criticised Jota before for, for not, um, you know, really putting everything on the line to get a goal. I think there's been a few times where there's been balls cut crossed to him and he's not put out uh, a leg far enough. You know, he's not chucked himself at the ball to try and get the ball in the back of the net and... Look, obviously James Milner was behind him to to cover for the goal anyway, but you know he he really did stretch out for that one and, and made sure that it went in. So yeah, all, all credit to Jota. I thought he came in and then did a really good job. Yeah, I do feel like the one man Jota fan club in this podcast occasionally. Indeed, the man <laughs> I who's all, I feel is always a little bit harsh on Jota. <laughs> Give us your ratings so for the. I, I have I have Jota on the back of this season's home shirt. I don't I don't dislike the guy. I really really do like the guy. And the reason I'm harsh on him is that I expect I expect more from him. I think he's I think he's better than he's showing. And I think for this game, this is the first game in weeks. I don't have a bad word to say about Jota. Oh, I think he lovely. he uh, he did brilliantly, but I don't think he did better than eight point five. I think Adam got that nailed. I don't think he quite deserves a nine. Um, Bobby as well, eight point five. <laughs> same sort of reasons Adam said. His hold up play was great. He was dropping deep and influencing. The play in midfield, he was pulling Maguire and Lindelof out of position. He was a nightmare for Fred and McTominay because they never knew when he was coming back. So eight and a half for Bobby. And for Mo Salah, I'm going to stick with the trend from the past few weeks of not giving a numerical rating. And Mo Salah gets a top scoring African in the Premier League and only opposition players score a hat-trick at Old Trafford out of 10. <laughs> you know what? Like When we started this podcast, I thought we'd always do these match ratings. I thought like we'd get like four, four, four tens a season. But the Liverpool just force their hands. Yeah, you can't. The amount of hat tricks or like goal involvements that are up in the, the fours and the fives this season is just for, for individual players. It's, it's forcing our hands. It's absolutely ridiculous. Is this the third or fourth game in a row that Salah's got a ten? Yeah, for exactly. It's, it's, do you know what? 
It's because we, sure we are scoring like as well though. <laughs> we are we're scoring between like three and five goals. Like, That's what I mean. Yeah, seems like every single game. It's a so good it's, old it's hard time. not to. It's a good old time to be a Liverpool fan. Um, speaking of which, thank you for everybody that tunes into this podcast. We really do appreciate it. That is all we've got time for today. Um, until next time, we will be able to tell you a wee bit more about the injuries to James Ronald Navigator. Hopefully, have a wee bit more in, uh, information. Uh, we will see you um, in, a, in a few days, I'm sure. Cheers, bye. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.